So Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. Um, we're going to learn about how God blesses His people when they're faithful to Him. He blesses His people when they're faithful to Him. Now what do we mean by blessing? Uh, that term blessing is kind of hard to define, right? What is a blessing? We, we say it when somebody sneezes. <laughs> God bless you. And there's a whole history as to why we do that. Uh, we sometimes use it at the end of a letter. God bless. And then sign our name. Um, politicians love to use it at the end of a speech. God bless America. God bless you or something. But, but what does that mean to be blessed? Uh, one thing we know is it's a good thing, right? Blessing is not a bad thing. Opposite of blessing is curse. We're not talking about cursing. We're talking about a blessing. Well, blessing is, is almost always um, something that comes down to us from God. Uh, it's, a, it's a gift. It's good. <laughs> and blessings can be very diverse. So whatever the blessing is, there's all different definitions, or all different uh, gifts that God gives to us in the way of, of blessings. In fact, part of the issue is not to get blessed, it's to recognize the blessings we already have, that we're, in a sense, surrounded by God's blessings, if we have the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it. But friends, here we see Daniel, and it's, I think, applicable to us, challenged to compromise with the world, to, to assimilate to the Babylonian culture that he's been brought into, to go with the flow, with everybody else around him, and to sin. And instead, God calls him and his three friends, as we'll see, into faithfulness. And with this faithfulness comes blessings. Not that we earn God's blessing by being faithful, but that God loves faithfulness and he oftentimes gives us blessings when we're faithful to Him. Look with me. We're going to be in Daniel 1, uh, verse 8. We have it up on the screen there as well, talking about how Daniel is faithful to the Lord and how God blesses him and how that applies to us. We read this, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them and among all of them, none was found like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better 
than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. God blesses his people when they're faithful to him. There's an outline in your bulletin if you want to look and see where we're going. But the first thing we see in verses 8 through 14, uh, that we resolve to be faithful to God. We resolve to be faithful to God no matter what. Uh, Daniel and his three friends, sometimes we, we kind of recognize them more by their Babylonian name there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they resolve to be faithful. You may remember the situation from last week, those who were here last week. These youth have been taken out of their homeland and the exile brought to Babylon. And he took the, the sort of the smartest, the good-looking ones, the skilled, the competent teenagers. <laughs> he brought them into the palace and he's going to train them for three years. That is the he here being Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he's going to train them there for three years in all the literature of Babylon, hoping to assimilate them to this new culture and convert them to the worship of the Babylonian gods. And at the end of that three-year term, he's going to test them. They're going to stand before the king, uh, the most powerful man in the world, and they're going to be tested to see whether they learn. Well, one of the things that happens, of course, is they get to eat the king's food. So they want to give these youths, you know that uh, my cousin Vinny calls them youths? He want to say youths. It's easier to say than youths. But uh, he gives the, these uh, four youths and all the other youths there uh, the uh, food from the king's table because he wants them to be as full and as healthy as possible. But here's where they decide they're not going to compromise. One of the things that Israel is known for is their dietary laws. And, and not, that's true of today as well for those who are Orthodox or Hasidic Jews. Um, not Reformed Jews, right Mitch, but... But the other ones, the ones that were more strict, they, they're known for their dietary laws. Well, it's certainly true back then as well. So here's their first real test. Will you eat all of these non-kosher meats? <laughs> Probably among that was pork. Probably among that may have been, who knows, seafood. Among that may be meat with blood still in it, which they weren't allowed to eat. Also, much of the food from the king's table was actually devoted to the Babylonian gods, to Marduk and Bel and Nebo. They had this great deal. This is how it worked. Uh, they devoted all the king's food first to, to the Babylonian gods, to Marduk, let's say. So they put all the food before the idol of Marduk. And anything that Marduk doesn't eat, the king gets to eat. That was the deal. So anything this gigantic statue doesn't eat, he gets to eat. Well, no kings went hungry. You can imagine. Okay? That was the deal. But all these this meats were probably devoted to the ancient pagan gods. So now the question comes to Daniel and his three friends. Will we compromise and eat what God has told us not to eat? They decide not to. They resolve that in this situation, they will not compromise. They'll be faithful to the Lord Whatever happens. And God gives them favor as we learn. Uh, the eunuch decides to give them a chance. At first he's worried about himself. And at the end of this three years you guys look sickly. Uh, it's going to reflect badly on me. So I can't let you do this with the food. He says well give us a little test. Give us a ten day test and see how it works. He says alright I'll give you a ten day test. At the end of ten days they look great. And so it ultimately works. Before we move on though. Just imagine. Imagine the temptation to compromise here though. For Daniel and his three friends. First of all, you're very far from home. <laughs> you're in a whole new, different culture. I mean, talk about culture shock. Anyone here that's ever traveled the world, you know, culture shock's a real issue. Uh, you, you're in a brand new culture, and you're 
surrounded by people who talk differently, who look differently, who act differently, maybe even smell differently, and you're just in a world where you don't even know. You feel so uncomfortable in this new setting. Total culture shock. Not only that, it's not just that they've come and visited another country. Their own country has been conquered by the Babylonians. So they have the upper hand. They're the ones who have shown that they are the mightier ones, at least from a human perspective. The temple in Israel was plundered by the Babylonians. And all the vessels were taken out and brought into a temple to the Babylonian gods. More than that, there's not just these 14s. There's a whole group of people from all different cultures brought together for this three-year training. You can imagine the peer pressure. Everybody else is eating this. Everybody else is drinking the wine. More than that, they're prepping to see the king. Nebuchadnezzar, the destroyer of nations. They have eunuchs, they have officials, they have all of these adults telling them, this is what you must do. They're not asking if you would like to eat this food. They're telling them, this is what you must do. And on top of that, I'm sure the food looks and smells so good. <laughs> right? I mean, thinking of Matt, this is the king, this is the best food in the world. This is the best food that the world has to offer. It is offered to King Nebuchadnezzar. This must have been some really delicious looking food. You know, when sometimes we have open hearts meal uh, and they're cooking something really good during the service and you can just smell as the smell comes into the service here. It's like torture, right? Especially if you're trying to preach and everybody's thinking about the delicious meal that somebody's cooking out there. Wouldn't it have been so easy to say, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Just eat the food. I mean, you've got bigger problems to worry about than eating some pork and to drinking some wine that's been offered to some idol. Just go ahead and do what you've got to do in order to survive. And yet we read that Daniel resolves in this situation to be faithful. Whatever the issue, I'm going to be faithful to God. Live or die, I'm going to be faithful to God. Life isn't the ultimate goal for Daniel. Not to stay alive is not his ultimate goal. To be faithful to God is even more important than that. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I'm a big fan of the Navy SEALs. I like to read about the Navy SEALs, learn about them. And one of the ways that, so they have the hardest training perhaps in the world. And one of the things that SEALs say, the one way you get through training, it's only really one way, is it's your mentality. It's your psychology. And this is what your mentality has to be as you go through bud training. It has to be this. They can kill me, but I'm not going to quit. I'll either pass or die. Those are the only options. Quit is not an option anymore. It's either I'll die doing it, They'll kill me, I'll drown, or I'll suffocate, or I'll work to the point I have a heart attack and die, or I'll pass. But quitting is no longer an option. In some sense, that's what Daniel and his friends are saying here, friends. That that live or die, unfaithfulness is not an option. Friends, and I just encourage us, resolve to be faithful to God. Resolve to be faithful to God no matter what. And God will get you through it. Uh, eventually, Daniel and his friends get through this. I, I don't know if you know the, the story of Daniel, but he doesn't just continue to eat veggies and water for the rest of the book. Uh, what happens is that eventually, he's able to eat, perhaps maybe he can, has in a position where he can make sure the food is kosher and it's not devoted to the gods or whatever it is, but this is only a temporary time of testing that God has him getting through. Friends, the truth of the matter is you and I will face an unlimited amount of opportunities to compromise our faith, an unlimited amount of times to be unfaithful to the Lord. In fact, I would even say daily, daily we're presented with opportunities that we can choose either to be faithful to the Lord or not. 
I'll give you some examples. I, I, you can't really be too specific because some things are not specific. It's really in your own conscience, in your own walk with the Lord, uh, the language you use. Sexual temptation and desires daily. Are you going to be honest or are you going to be dishonest? The temptation to pick up another drink or maybe if you don't have an issue with alcohol at all, to pick up one too many drinks. The issue to do drugs. The kind of stuff you'd like to watch on TV and movies. Is this, is this past the line? I'm not going to draw the line for you. I can't tell you this show is no good, this show is good. Because each person has a different sort of conscience and what they're able to handle. But you know in your own heart, is this a compromise of my faith to sit here and watch this? Gratuity or is it not? Daily, friends, we're compromised. we have the temptation to, be, to compromise our faith. Here's what I would say, friends. I've never been faithful to God and regretted it. I don't know if you guys can say the same thing. Never in my life can I look back and say, I've chosen, I came to the crossroads, as we all tend to do. I came to the crossroads in a major decision or whatever it is, and I chose to be faithful to God. And I look back and say, man, I really blew it. I wish I did, wasn't faithful to God. I wish I had compromised. It would have been so much better. That's never happened. It always tends to work out the other way around. So when I choose to be unfaithful, then I look back and wish I had chosen to be faithful. Again, this is not that we do this on our own. We look to the grace of God to strengthen us and enable us to go forward. In fact, friends, there, there's always a way out. God never tempts us with a temptation in which there is no way to be faithful. I may feel like that at times, but no, friends. With the grace of God, there is always an opportunity to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation is overtaking you. That is not common demand. Very important to remember as well. that You're not tempted by something unique. Everybody is tempted in all different ways. Probably the temptation you're facing, you've, uh, people have faced for 2,000 years over and over again. But more than that, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's never a lose-lose situation when it comes to faithfulness. There's always an opportunity to be faithful given whatever the circumstances. Resolve to be faithful to God no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance. 15 and 16, be ready for conflict. Be ready for conflict when you do decide to be faithful to God. When you resolve to be faithful to God, you're ready that that's going to cause some friction. That's going to cause some tension. Uh, when, you're, when you decide to be faithful to God. Look what happens at the end of 10 days. Uh, this plan actually works. Actually, it works a little too well. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they stand out better than everyone. Uh, now, you might say there is a direct connection, right? I mean, how fatty were these, these meats this, that, that uh, the king has been eating and drinking wine every day? That can't be really good for you. So if you just ate veggies and drank water for 10 days, you'll probably notice the difference right away, right? They're going to lose any fat. They're going to look... Uh, more fit than perhaps anyone else. So there's a direct connection, certainly, between what they're eating and what happens at the end of 10 days. But it's more than that. I think the text clearly says it's more than that. It's God blessing their faithfulness. It's not just that they look better because of what they ate, but because God has given a direct blessing to enable them to, in a sense, be more full and healthier at the end of 10 days. The steward looks at it and says, wow, this plan really worked. In fact, it worked so well we're going to take away everybody's meat and everybody's wine. <laughs> so we're going to do this to all the youth who are here in Babylon. And we're going to give everybody just veggies and water. How do you think that went over with his buddies? <laughs> How do you think that went over with the rest of the people in the palace? I'm sure it did not go well. And that Daniel and his three friends were no longer 
anybody's favorite, right? <laughs> Nobody was keeping a picture of them in their wallet anymore. That was it. That, they, they just lost the, uh, the, all this delicious food and this delicious wine because of Daniel and his three friends standing out. And what we end up seeing, friends, is jealousy. Not quite here yet, but really throughout the book of Daniel, their faithfulness tends to continually cause jealousy among those around them. Again and again. Friends, friend, being faithful usually does lead to conflict. It usually does lead to conflict. And I'm not talking about just being, you know, non-conformity for non-conformity's sake. Just going the opposite of everybody else. Uh, people are like that. Uh, you know, if everybody dresses a certain way, I'm not going to dress that way. I'm going to dress this way. Or everybody talks a certain way. I'm going to talk differently. That's fine to each his own. Uh, but that's not being faithful to God. That's just non-conformity for the sake of non-conformity. I'm talking about those who are intentionally seeking to be faithful to the Lord so that he gets the glory in the end. Not the king and his food and his eunuchs and their three-year plan, but God gets the glory at the end of this plan. And friends, oftentimes when you're faithful to the Lord, it makes others look bad. That's what happens here, right? Doing things God's way tends to be the harder way to do things. <laughs> you ever notice that? It tends to be the honest way of doing things. It often means taking the high road and going through the long journey of getting to his way, which oftentimes makes others who are not doing the things the hard way or taking the easy way and taking the easy road makes them not look so great. And particularly when it comes to sin, uh, people may feel guilty for what they are doing and you are that constant reminder to them that what they're doing is not right. So when you're faithful, it's a reminder to other people that they're not being faithful. You see it again and again. And actually what happens is later on we see the same with the magicians and the enchanters. Those who are already experienced and established in the palace. Daniel and his friends, already even as young teenagers, stand out among them. People get jealous of their success. People love success when they're the ones succeeding. <laughs> they don't love success necessarily when they see it in others. Jealousy, uh, friends, is a strong and dangerous motive. Proverbs 27, 4. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Jealousy is a powerful Motive, And you see it happen again and again. And certainly, friends, we see it happen with Jesus. Why did they kill him? You know, you, you, people say, well, Jesus was such a nice guy. He loved the poor. He spoke the truth. He fought against injustice. He cared about children. He raised up women. Why, I mean, why would anyone kill a guy like that? Because the dark does not like the light. That's what the book of uh, the Gospel of John tells us. He was dangerous to their way of life. And that's the truth here with Daniel and it's the truth of us, friends, when we live in faith and expect there to be some tension, expect there to be some conflict when that happens. In fact, friends, I think when, when, when there's no conflict, when there's no tension for too long, I begin to worry that I'm doing something wrong, right? <laughs> things are going a little too smooth. Things are going a little too well right now in life. Uh, what's going on? Am I, am, I, am I not being faithful in some area? And it's, a, it's a warning because... We live in a fallen and sinful world that almost always causes tension with people and situations around us. But friends, be willing. Be willing to persevere through opposition. Be willing to persevere through conflict and tension. It's going to happen. So don't, don't worry about if it's going to happen. It's just when it's going to happen. It's going to happen in your life. You're going to be faithful to God. You will face opposition. You will face conflict. You will face some tension. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be faithful and persevere through that conflict? God lets it happen. He's still in control. We said the whole series here is about 
He's got the whole world in his hands. God remains in control. He knows what's going on with Daniel and his three friends. He, he knows about the conflict that's going to start arising here. Uh, and yet God uses it ultimately, I think, to purify our motives, purify our resolve. And sometimes, friends, it just, are you willing to go alone to test? Are you willing to do this because everybody else around you is doing it? Or are you willing to do this alone to be faithful to God? There's a part in the Chronicles of Narnia and uh, Prince Caspian where Lucy alone sees Aslan, the Jesus figure in the book. And Aslan calls her to go somewhere. She tries to convince everybody else that Aslan spoke to her and that we need to go in a certain direction. And everybody else says, you know, you're just seeing things. You just want to see Aslan and so forth. And they're unwilling to go. So she eventually follows her brothers and her, brothers and her sister in a different direction. And when Aslan sees her, he doesn't give her praise. He gives her a, a light rebuke. I didn't say follow me if you can convince everyone else to come. I said follow me no matter what. And the same is true of us. Now what if you mess up? We all mess up. <laughs> Everybody's going to mess up. It wouldn't, have, wouldn't surprise me if we get to glory, if we get the chance to talk to Meshach, for example, and he comes up and says, yeah, I did. I slipped, I slipped up. I ate some bacon. All right, so it, it just happened. Or I, I sipped some wine a few times. I mean, it just, I, I, friends, we mess up. Of course we mess up. We live, in, we live in a fallen world and we're still sinful. We do at times compromise and we do at times lack faithfulness. What do you do when you do that? Get back up. Look to God's grace and mercy in Jesus. Pray for grace and forgiveness. God, don't treat me as my sins deserve. Can't tell you how often I pray that prayer. Please don't treat me as my sins deserve. Turn around. <laughs> Repentance means literally to turn around. And then keep going. And then keep going. Uh, you know, when you, we talk about repentance, uh, you can't repent sitting in your chair, sitting in your pew right now. Uh, you can feel bad about your sin. You can recognize that you've failed in different areas, but you can't repent. Repent comes up tomorrow morning or when you go home today. Repent is a change of direction. It's a new direction that you are now committed to go by the grace of God. When we sin, get back up, trust in God's grace, repent, and keep going forward. And friends, I would also encourage you to find fellowship to help you get through it. Find fellowship to help you be faithful. This is so important. Uh, Daniel is not alone. Daniel is not alone. He has three friends, and his three friends have him. And the four of them, I'm, I'm sure, are meeting, encouraging one another, trying to help each other. Uh, friends, that's why community groups, you know I'm going to go there, right? That's why community groups are so helpful and we encourage them so strongly here. It's one thing to just meet here on a Sunday morning with a hundred or so people and then try to live faithful. It's another thing to have a small group of people who are you're keeping you accountable, who you're learning from and listening to and praying with. Uh, friends, that's what we see here. We have a small group, a small group of four uh, that are encouraging and building one another up. Uh, there's, a, of course, um, in... in uh, 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 book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about uh, uh, if you have a, a cord of three strands, and I got a picture of a cord of three strands. So when you make a rope, how do you make it strong? You take twine, and then you take another piece of twine, and then you take at least another piece of twine, and you take the three, and you wrap them all together. And that creates a cord of three strands, which is nearly impossible to snap. I know because I've been, I've been rock climbing with David Meehan, I'm still here, I'm still alive. David's very good at that, so, but he said, trust the rope. The rope is not going to break. It's, what, it's willing to, to cover a lot more than just one person. Friends, that's how in many ways we live the Christian life. The same is true. I, I had a little example here. Uh, you know, when you have one pencil, it's not hard to break, right? It snaps pretty easily. 
So, but if you have two or three, or in this case, in, in uh, Daniel, you have four. Let's see if I can break this. What do you think? Oh, much harder. Oh, I still break it. But in that case, it didn't work because they're only pencils. But you get it. Much, much more difficult to break four pencils. Yes, I just wasted a bunch of office pencils. Sorry, guys. But it was worth it to make the point, right? Is that it's much, we do much better and stronger with one another. If we want to be faithful, we want to withstand the difficulty and the conflict of faithfulness, do it with one another. Verse 17, trust the Lord to bless faithfulness. Trust the Lord to bless faithfulness, but in his own way. That's very important. God blesses faithfulness, but he does it not the way we're always expecting, uh, often not in very tangible stuff, but in his own way. God blesses their faithfulness with success. Uh, first, as we said, at the end of this 10 days, and really at the end of the three years, they are healthier uh, than eating what they ate than they would be with the king's food. It's evident to everyone. It's evident to, evident to the eunuchs and the officials. It's evident to the other youth. And we'll see that it's evident to the king as well. God blesses their faithfulness. But more than that, as we see in 17, he gives them skill. He gives them learning in literature and wisdom. Uh, so when it comes to their studies, not just when it comes to the food and their health, but when it comes to, remember, they're, they're supposed to be steeped in this Babylonian literature. When it comes to that, they are actually excelling beyond everyone else in their class. They're the, they're, they're the valedictorians. <laughs> they're the ones graduating summa cum laude. I mean, they're the top, the head of the class. And friends, I'm sure it took a lot of discernment to read all about these Babylonian cultures and still remain faithful to God. And then even that, beyond that, we learn about Daniel, that Daniel gets this sort of unique blessing, something different than even his three friends. Uh, it's very important later on in the book, but he has the ability to understand visions and dreams. I think that's very important because that's not something that comes from studying literature. It doesn't come from the Babylonian books. It doesn't come from something that Nebuchadnezzar or any of the eunuchs can give him. It comes from God. That their blessings are coming from the Lord, not from their studies ultimately. Understand that God blesses, yes, but he blesses in his own way. In his own way. I mean, what if at the end of three years they didn't look better? What if they looked too skinny and meek from eating the vegetables and the water? God is still blessing, he's just blessing differently. What if they weren't the head of the class? What if they were the dunce in the corner? I mean, they just were the slow ones in the class and they weren't picking it up very quickly. It doesn't mean that God isn't blessing. It means he's blessing in his own different way and means. And God is diverse in his blessings. How come Abednego didn't get the ability to interpret dreams? <laughs> How come all four of them didn't get the ability to interpret dreams? Because God has his plan. We trust his plan, his purpose, his will as he works out what he wants to do through them. And friends, I think sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, the blessings of obedience are unseen. Maybe even unknown to us. Maybe the blessing itself is just the joy of being obey obedient to God. <laughs> which has a certain joy in itself. I trust the Lord to bless faithfulness, to bless faithfulness. He blesses it not as a judge, but as a loving father who enjoys our faithfulness. You know, anyone here that has kids, I got kids, uh, their sonship, daughtership, their relationship to me is not at stake in their faithfulness and obedience. They disobeyed me, some of them might be here, I'd be careful. They disobeyed me for the rest of their childhood, right? I will still love them as a son and daughter. There's nothing they can do to stop that. However, if they are faithful, 
There is a delight and a joy in that, of course. <laughs> and discipline is there for a reason. It's there to help promote faithfulness and obedience for their good. The same way God treats us as his children. Yes, our salvation in Christ is secure for all those who have faith in him. We're not going to cease being sons or cease being daughters, whether we obey him or not. But his pleasure, he takes great pleasure in those who are faithful to him. And he blesses him. Now, there's direct blessings. There are direct blessings in Scripture that come from faithfulness. Uh, one is financial. Uh, there's a financial blessing, obviously, with Financial Peace University. I have a slide here. Uh, so this is just wisdom and stewardship and overseeing your fine, doing it God's way and putting it before God and trying to handle it the right way. So Dave Ramsey says that at the end of 90 days, those who take his plan are $5,300 less in debt and have saved $2,700. That's the average of somebody who takes the class, does it the way, uh, you know, follows through the stewardship of the class and the way principles that come straight out of Scripture, when they finish it, they end up doing better financially. So that's, that's a direct blessing. Uh, even when it comes to health, uh, uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Daniel Plan. Um, I, I read most of it. It's actually really good. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. He, he, he doesn't say just eat vegetables and drink water. That's not his plan. Uh, but he has more of a comprehensive plan about uh, health, and he talks to nutritionists and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but certainly, if there, there are certain principles in Scripture that direct us, and when you do follow them, there are direct blessings from it. Safety. Uh, Proverbs talk about avoiding gangs, avoiding people who are dangerous, who are, here, who are, hurt, who are uh, dangerous people. Uh, marriage, friends, when you follow God's word and be faithful when it comes to marriageness, obviously faithfulness uh, entails not committing adultery and not being unfaithful, but also loving your wife as Christ loved the church and being self-sacrificial and compassionate and empathetic and all of that. When you do that, you'll have a stronger marriage, usually, almost all the time, right? There's a direct blessing that comes from faithfulness. Being part of a church family comes with numerous different blessings for us as Christians. But I think he also is saying there's more than that. I don't, I don't want to limit it to that. There are indirect blessings. When you're faithful to God, he, he looks with favor on that, and, and your life begins to change based on that new relationship, that deeper fellowship you have with God. But I don't just again want to clarify that blessings are not often not stuff. It's not, Lord, I've been faithful to you for so many years, it's time for me to win the Powerball. <laughs> That's almost never the way God's faithful, uh, blessing comes. Or, I've been faithful to you, so I should have perfect health and a perfect body right now. Probably not. Or I should get that Bentley that I've always wanted, or that mansion that I've been dreaming about. Uh, most likely not. It's... Actually, I think some of the greatest joys of life are intangible things. The blessings he gives of his spirit's presence with us. Think about that. God with you. Present with you. Whatever you're going through. Whatever the situation. Having a clear conscience. Talk to a, a millionaire who has a guilty conscience. And I bet he would trade his millions for a clear conscience. Being forgiven. What greater blessing is there than that? Being given a love for people. That would not, you would not normally have. Enjoying God. You know, I was thinking about this and I decided to kind of look uh, through some parts of church history where people talk about this. Just enjoying, enjoying God. The overwhelming sense of the presence of God. Let me give you a few examples throughout church history. Uh, Pascal, the famous Blaise Pascal, famous mathematician. He writes this in his journal. 
Year of Grace, 1654, Monday the 23rd of November, Feast of St. Clement. From about half past ten at night to about half an hour after midnight. Fire. That's what he writes. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certitude, heartfelt joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ. My God and your God, joy, joy, joy. Tears of joy. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. May I never be separated from him. That's his journal article. Thomas Aquinas in uh, uh, 1273, so 13th century. He is not yet 50 years old. And he is a brilliant, one of the greatest geniuses, I think, throughout modern Western history, never mind just uh, church history. Thomas Aquinas, he writes the Summa Theologia, uh, this massive theological work that's unparalleled. People have been studying it ever since the 13th century. And all of a sudden, he stops writing. <laughs> and one of his scribes says, Master, will you not return to your work? And he's only 50 years, he's not yet 50 years old, hasn't even reached 50 years old. And Thomas's reply is, I can write no more. All that I have written seems like straw. And he never wrote again. An experience with God that said, I can't even write about God anymore. Jonathan Edwards, who lived in the 18th century, Edwards uh, one day was riding out into the woods. He writes, uh, having alighted from my horse in a retired place, as my manner commonly has been to walk in divine contemplation and prayer, I had a view that was for me extraordinary. I saw the glory of the Son of God as mediator between God and man and His wonderful, great, full, pure, and sweet grace and love and meek and gentle condensation. This grace that appeared so calm and sweet appeared also great above the heavens. This is what he says. This continued as near as I can judge about an hour. This kept me the greater part of the time in a flood of tears and weeping aloud. I wanted to lie in the dust and to be full of Christ alone, to love Him with a holy and pure love, to trust in Him, to live upon Him, to serve and follow Him, and to be perfectly sanctified and made pure with the divine and heavenly purity. In an experience of God that just laid Him there in the dust for over an hour in tears, filled with joy. And sometimes blessings are not tangible. And I, think, I would say one of the, the greatest blessings is to face death with confidence, knowing that in Christ we have Him. What greater blessing is there than that? Voltaire, the famous uh, agnostic, said, I am abandoned by God and man at his deathbed. I shall go to hell. Oh, Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. That was his last words. Compare that here to John Knox, who uttered these words on his death. Live in Christ, die in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. What are the blessings that come, friends? That God blesses faithfulness in all different ways, in various ways, but in His own way. And then 18 to 21, live faithful to God as a bold and honest witness. Live faithful to God as a bold and honest witness. So now, three years have passed. These four teenagers are ready to stand before the king, the destroyer of nations, Nebuchadnezzar, who conquered most of the known world. There they are in the palace, and the king speaks with them, sort of to test them. And even he can see that these four youth stand out among all the rest. They're the best of the best, not only in appearance, but in their learning and their understanding. 
Ten times better, he says, they say, not just than the other youth. Ten times better than all of his magicians and, and enchanters. Ten times better than all of his most learned and studied people already existing in the kingdom. Because God has blessed them. And we get this little verse in 21, and Daniel's there until the first year of King Cyrus. <laughs> Why is that there? Because Daniel outlasts all the kings of Babylon, wait, wait, into Persia, all these magicians and enchanters, and even the rising and falling of kingdoms. Cyrus is a good king, it's a Persian king. Uh, Daniel eventually does come to his end. God was preparing them, friends, to be witnesses. He was preparing them to be witnesses. Uh, first to Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, as we go through the book of Daniel, keep your eyes on Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> keep your eyes on him. Uh, I think we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. All right? You can judge for yourself as we go through it. But I think he comes to faith in, in the Lord as we go along here. Um, their faithfulness now, friends, is on display before the world. They are in the king's court. Right? This is the highest place. This is New York City and Washington, D.C., and L.A. and Tinseltown and all that stuff, all put together into one place. This is the, this is the center of all the culture and learning and, and politics in the world, and they are now raised up before the world. Think of the incredible opportunity for ministry, uh, the incredible opportunity for, for witness that they have. They were faithful with a little food, and God has entrusted them with more. Are you a witness with your faithfulness? Are you and I witnesses with our faithfulness? Uh, this is where the rubber meets the road when you think about it. It's not just what you do by yourself, at home, when you're with just your family, but in public as well. Are you using that as an opportunity to be faithful to the Lord so others are seeing it? Faithful in the way you live, faithful in the way you speak, talking about the Lord. Are you, are you, as, as Jesus said, are you letting your light shine? You don't put it under a bowl, are you letting it shine? Are you, are you being salty? You know, salt, when it, and when it sits in the uh, cabinet, doesn't make anything salty. It just sits there, all together. It has to be impact, to impact something else, it has to be intermingled with what's around it. Then it preserves, then it makes flavorful. Are you a missionary here, friends? I, I really feel like our church has so much to offer. I put a, together a little collage there, throw that up. But uh, I really do feel like our church. I love our church. I really do. I never felt better about our church than I do in these days. Uh, like I said, sometimes things go so well. I'm wondering, when's the next time of tension and conflict? Things seem to be going really well right now. Uh, I, I feel like our church has a lot of love and cares for people. I feel like there's a real sense of community among us. Uh, I feel like our church is very generous with our resources, but also with helping people that we are big on the truth, we want to stand on the scriptures, we love our kids, and we're trying to minister well to them, I feel like it's a place of great joy. And so what I want to say again this year is that are we going to share this? <laughs> we're going to share all that we have with our community here and around the surrounding town. So we're going to get this word out there. Friends, it wouldn't surprise me, it really wouldn't, if our church began to explode in a good way. And the people started really coming to faith in Christ. Because I just feel that way about our church. We have so much to offer. God blesses his people when they're faithful to him. Resolve to be faithful. Live or die. Whatever the situation. And when you mess up, get back up, repent, and keep going. Be willing to persevere through conflict. Understand that being faithful means tension, means conflict and difficulty. Trust the Lord to bless, but in his own way. 
and be a faithful witness. Maybe you are here and that you have a direct application. You're going through something personally that you know about. Your mind is being drawn immediately to that. I just encourage you to be faithful to the Lord through it. Trust Him. Maybe you don't. There's no direct application for you right now. That's okay. Sermons work that way. Sometimes God is just preparing you. Uh, There are mountains and there are valleys in the Christian life. Maybe you're on a mountain. That's a good thing. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Be grateful for the mountain. But just know God is preparing you perhaps for the next valley. When you will be tested uh, in your faith to be faithful. Maybe you're here and you're filled with guilt because you know you've messed up. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here and you're interested in Christ. But you yourself know in your own heart and mind that you don't know the Lord Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. I just encourage you to again, look to Jesus. That's where we find grace and forgiveness, mercy. Get back up, and by the grace of God, keep going. God blesses his people who are faithful to him. Would you pray with me? Well, our gracious God, we thank you so much for the scriptures. Lord, we are again amazed at the power of the word to speak to us. This is a 2,600-year-old book. We read last week's newspaper, and it's no good. (laughs) But we read a 2,600-year-old book, and we find application for our lives today because it's inspired your spirit. It's meant for your people for life and godliness. And so I pray, Father, you would convict us where we need to be convicted. You would encourage us where we need encouragement now. You would equip us and teach us, Lord, where we need better understanding and clarity. And Father, you do that as you are with us. Help us to be faithful, Lord, as your people. Help us to be faithful as a church family to you, looking to you to trust, trusting in your grace daily, looking to be faithful, but help us individually, Lord, as we go out from our church family, back into our Mondays. Help us to be faithful to you. We love you. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Help us to continue, Lord, to grow in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. But this time, we're going to take that second offering I mentioned. So here's an opportunity to be faithful. Uh, be faithful to what God is putting on your heart on this offering. So this, none of this goes to our church. This all goes to Hurricane Relief. Uh, we got a little video we're going to play you that's just instrumental. Some pictures of, uh, I think this specifically is Hurricane Harvey. Um, again, if you're writing a check, BCNE. And at the end of that, we'll close with uh, a benediction.